0: First off, I'd like to say Happy Father's Evening to everybody that came back tonight. And I'd also like to start out by saying that, you know, a lot of the times, you know, over the past 20 years that I've came in here and joked with Pastor John about, you know, he only works the weekends and different jokes, whatnot like that, you know. and But, uh, you know, in putting together a sermon and trying to gauge the amount of time that you're going to be up here speaking and taking into accountability the seriousness that God puts behind us sharing his word, it it really is a responsibility. And I can say that I got up Saturday morning, and I just had notes all over the place, and I thought, how am I going to put these all together? And Friday night, I went to bed, I prayed about it, And I woke up Saturday morning, and he just gave me the flow, and I put it together. took about three hours for me to put it together, but it took me thinking about it throughout the whole week. So, you you actually work seven days a week, brother, not just the weekends. All right, so our uh, text tonight is going to be mainly in the book of John. To honor you, Pastor John. Uh, In... Chapter eight in our main focus verse is going to be verse 29. So if everybody could please stand. And the word of God says, "And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone." For I do always those things that please him. Okay, you may be seated. I'll probably read some other verses, but I just want to, this is the main verse that I really want to touch upon. And so tonight, after reading this verse and looking at it very closely, I thought. For I do always those things that please him. And everybody knows who I is, right? I is speaking of Jesus. Do always those things. And those things is where the main focus is going to take place tonight. That please him. And him is God the Father. And... As we set aside this day on our calendar to honor fathers as Father's Day, uh, I'm going to ask you guys to take a journey back. Some of you may be a further journey than others, I'm sure. But can you say tonight that I do always those things that please him, meaning your earthly father? Did you always do everything that pleased your earthly father when you were growing up? And now I want to ask you to fast forward to the date that you were saved, if you have been saved, and now ask you yourself that question about your Heavenly Father. Do you always do those things that please Him? And in order for us to answer that question, we're going to look at an example. How do we know what we're supposed to do to always please Him? Where do we get that example? And that example comes from the one person that pleased him like no one else could, which was his only begotten son. And so we're gonna—I got three top little top water points. Hope you don't mind if I steal that from you, brother. But we're gonna for Father's Day. We're gonna stick with the letter F for our top water points and one of them is going to be follow the second one is going to be forgive and the last one is going to be fellowship okay now uh, sorry I'm a little bit nervous haven't done this in quite some time or maybe only the second time in my life actually. Uh, All right, so I have in my uh, outline that I put together here, there was one that came before our great-grandfathers, grandfathers, grandfathers, fathers, and of course ourselves, that instituted the first honoring of their father, and it was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at we're going to jump over, stay in the book of John, but we're going to jump over to John 1.1. 1, 1. And in the book of John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so you're probably thinking okay, in the beginning the son was with God and he was also God. So how did he please God at that point? God already knew what he was going to have to send his son to do. And he already knew that his son was going to fulfill what he was sent to do. So I believe even at that time and point before he even sent Jesus to earth that he already knew that the son was going to be a pleasing sacrifice. Okay, so we need to, in in order for us to be able to please the Father, I believe we need to follow Jesus' example of things that he did. And we're going to take a look at the first F, which is follow. Jesus followed his father's will for his life. And we're going to stay in the book of John. I'm going to make it easy on you guys so I can make it easy on myself. We're going to jump over to John chapter 6, verse 38. And in John six thirty-eight it reads, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And that's pretty self explanatory. I don't think I need to do a whole lot of elaborating on it. But Jesus came down manifest in the flesh separated himself from the Father and came down and manifested himself in the human flesh to be our example and not only to be our example but to also to pay the price for our sins and then we are going to stay in John still and we're going to jump over to John chapter 12 verse 27 and john 12:27 reads now is my soul troubled and what shall i say father save me from this hour but for this cause came i unto this hour okay so in john 6:38 we looked at him being sent and coming down and dwelling amongst us and in john 12:27 we saw him fulfilling the finality of the purpose of him to be here to go and die for us on the cross. And now while he's not asking any of us necessarily literally to die on a cross, a physical cross today, the word does still take us say that we are to take up our own cross and follow him. Okay, so since Jesus followed his Father's will for his life, and it was pleasing to the Father, we there should follow Jesus. How do we do this? And I think that there's a lot of varying different opinions of how you do that. Let's say we have a visitor that comes in for the first time, and they get saved. They come forward, and they give their life to to Christ, and they get saved and then they keep coming back and they keep sitting in the pew and they keep being taught the word, but nobody takes them under their wing and disciples them. How does that person know to actually go out and live and do what we're supposed to do to be pleasing to the Father? And the first thought would be that it's it's a personal relationship, which it is, we're all subject to studying on our own but the word also shows us that we're supposed to disciple one another and that we're supposed to go out two by two and a brand new believer that comes in might come in here and they might sit here for a month two months three months however long and they might think oh well Pleasing the Father means that every time the front door of the church is open, I come to church. Every time the offering plate is passed, I put my tithe in it. Every time uh, they have Vacation Bible School, I volunteer to teach for Vacation Bible School. And I'm not going to say that all those things are not pleasing to the Father. They are. But those things are done out of a certain motive and if they're not done out of the right motive then they're not pleasing to the Father. If you come in here and you sit in the pew and you put a hundred dollar bill on the offering plate and say boy God must be pleased with me I gave my tithe but you didn't really have it in your heart is that pleasing to him? Is it pleasing to him if the list is up there for Vacation Bible School and there's a couple slots open and you really don't want to teach that class but you say to yourself well, you know, I'll go ahead and teach it, you know, that way everybody will see, you know, that I'm you know, I'm part of the the church team or, you know however you might want to put it and so if we're not doing things that come from the heart If our motive is not from the heart, it's not pleasing to the Father. I guess that one got away from the F's, huh? I guess we have to add an H in with the three (coughs) F's. All right, so the first step that I have in us being able to do the Father's will, we're going to jump over to Hebrews this time, and we're going to go over to chapter... 11 and verse 6. And in Hebrews 11:6 it says but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of diligently seek him Okay but without faith it is impossible to please him without faith in what What is the faith referencing in this verse and for that we're going to jump over to John chapter 14 verse 6 and in John 14:6 it says Jesus saith unto him I am the way the truth and the life No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Our faith is in Christ. So in order for us to exercise that faith, we have to place our faith in what Christ did, which we looked at in the first step of how he was sent down and he died for our sins. We have to place our faith that he died for our sins. And we are going to move over to Matthew 16, verse 24. I think I touched on this earlier, but we're going to go ahead and read it again. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And I just want to ask everybody in here tonight, would you not agree that it takes faith to take up your cross And deny yourself and follow him for the persecution for his name's sake. And I think a lot of the times we get caught up in looking at this, and myself, I'm I'm preaching to the choir here, but myself included is I'll read a scripture verse and look at it, and I try to take it and mold it into what is going on in my life personally. And that's not how the scriptures were written. The scriptures are to be spoken to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We don't take a situation and say, I've got back pain or I've got you know, foot pain that I'm dealing with. This is my cross that Jesus has gave me to carry. That's not my cross for persecution because that has nothing to do with me going out and sharing his word and sharing what he did for the sins of the world. That's a personal burden that I have to go through that, you know, everybody has their own burdens to bear. But I think a lot of the times, you know, and, and I'm 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 preaching based on my experience. I know that I've looked at certain situations and said, oh this is a cross that I'm bearing. But that's not the cross that he's talking about in this word. Okay, so we are going to jump over to the second thing that we're going to look at, and it's uh, forgive. And we all know that Jesus forgave the sins of the world But, well, I shouldn't assume that and say we all know. There may be some in here tonight that don't know. Only God knows your heart. I don't. So we are going to go to Luke 23, verse 34. And in Luke 23, 34, it says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. We all know the horrible things that Jesus suffered. And I was thinking about this point as I was writing, and I was thinking, what are some of the things that I get upset about that I want to harbor a grudge about or I don't want to forgive others about, you know. Oh, I was driving up Rainbow to go home and someone cut in front of me. How long am I going to harbor that? You know, I won't necessarily say, you know, that I hate them for doing it, but I get upset because I'm in the flesh. You know, that person shouldn't have cut in front of me. They had no right to do that. And forgiving them is, is something that we are told to do. We're told to forgive others. And that's just a silly example, you know. There's many other examples that we could apply to that. But we are going to go over to Matthew chapter 6 and look at verses 14 and 15. it says in the word for if ye forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if ye forgive not men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses and with those being the words in red we all know those words came directly from Jesus so Jesus is telling us how important it is for forgiveness and if He's giving that command to us, then that's something that we're supposed to follow. And that got, sometimes my wheels get turning a little bit too much and I have to try to slow them down when I'm thinking about different things that I read in scripture. But I was thinking to myself, and this is what I wrote Does this mean that we need to forgive everyone that has ever offended us? And if so, why, if Jesus has already paid in full for our sins past, present, and future? And I really got to thinking about that. Why are we held to that level of responsibility to forgive others? And the thing that was given to me is that we are to forgive others Because we're following Jesus' example. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus forgave others. And we are going to move over to Romans chapter 12, verse 19. 12 19 says dearly beloved avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay saith the Lord so it's just our responsibility to forgive we don't have to harbor in our hearts you know I need to get even with this person you know or I'm not going to forgive this person or hold a grudge against a person. God's going to judge each and every one. And when we take that job upon ourselves, we get ourselves into some serious trouble with that. We end up with a log in our eye. (laughs) Okay, we are going to jump over to... The Psalms, actually, now we're going to go to Psalms 51, verse 4. And in Psalms fifty one four it says, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. I done this evil in the sight, in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Now this is David talking here, and it says, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Thee is God. And David recognized that he had sinned against God. So when we commit, let's say, a sin against someone else, let's say you commit the sin of adultery, did you actually commit that sin against the person that was married to that woman or the person that was married to that man? I believe that the sin is actually against God First and foremost. And we're not supposed to covet, but the sin starts at the top and it starts with God. And that's what David recognized. And now we are going to jump into the third. And final point, and it is the point of fellowship. We are to fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One interesting thing to point out is that in John 8:29, we can see that Jesus was always in fellowship with the Father. And in John 8:29 it says, And he that sent me is with me the Father hath not left me alone. And for any of us here that are saved tonight, which I believe, as far as I know, I believe everybody here tonight is probably saved, but again, I'm not the the judge, so I don't know for certain. But he, when Jesus went away, He sent us the Holy Spirit. And when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in and indwells your life. And we have Jesus in our hearts. So we haven't been left alone either. We have that same access and ability that Jesus had. Okay, we are going to jump over to John chapter 14. And we are going to look at verse 26. And in verse 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So the word shows us right there that we have the Holy Spirit as our guide and our teacher. And... So we have, we're obviously not Jesus, but we have with the fact that he sent the Holy Spirit, I do believe that we have the ability to always do those things that please the Father. Okay, and we are going to go over to Matthew chapter 4. And we are going to look at verse 1. And it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the Lord. Okay, so Jesus allowed the Holy Spirit to lead him. To fulfill God's will. But please note that Jesus was led by the Spirit, but he was tempted by the devil. And we are going to go over to back to the book of John. and we are going to go to first john verses 1 through 3 first john? Yeah, first John Chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And that says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard and declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we see our fellowship is with both the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit once we're saved. We have fellowship with all three of them. And then in my notes I have, when we have fellowship with the Son, we also have fellowship with the Father. Just as Jesus had constant fellowship with the Father, he also prayed that we should have this too. And we're going to go over to John chapter 17, and we're going to look at verses 20 and 21. And John 17, 20 and 21 says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that, they believe that thou hast sent me. So Jesus prayed that we would have the same fellowship that he has with the Father. And we all know that when Jesus prays for something, it gets answered, always in the affirmative, because he's never praying outside of God's will. And then I have, uh, regardless of Jesus always having constant fellowship with the Father... in John 8:29 where it says and he that sent me is with me the father hath not left me alone he still found it important to spend time alone with his father and we're going to look at Luke chapter 5 and verse 16 Luke 5.16 reads, And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And one thought that's always came to my mind in reading the scriptures is, we see that Jesus went alone to a quiet place, or he withdrew himself to the wilderness. Why did Jesus go to these different places in scripture to be alone to pray? I believe it was one-on-one fellowship between him and the Father. Jesus had all the disciples. He had all the people that surrounded him. And there probably wasn't much time that Jesus was by himself. But the time that he was went away to be by himself, it was that he could have that one-on-one fellowship with the Father. And he modeled that for us. We obviously come in here on Sundays and have fellowship with one another. But what does our fellowship look like during the week? Do we have that one-on-one fellowship? As children with earthly fathers, I'm sure there have been times we've found ourselves in the wilderness and we've placed our faith in our earthly fathers to come to our rescue. And when they were able... I most certainly believe they did. And this is one reason we honor our earthly fathers is for their strength that they freely give to us. So in conclusion, if we seek to always do those things that please our Heavenly Father, how much more will he not come to us in our time of need? And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses nine through eleven. And Matthew seven, nine through eleven reads, or what man. Is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? And I'm not saying this from a perspective of that if we're always doing things that please the Father, we can go and ask him for that brand new bright and shiny truck or that bigger house. Because if we're truly doing all those things that please the Father, we're not going to ask him for things outside of his will. And when we do ask him for things outside of his will, He's going to let us know. He's going to check us on it. Just like when we were growing up as children, if we went and asked something of our earthly fathers that we knew wouldn't please them, are they going to grant that request, or did they grant that request? So in close tonight, I leave you with this question. Are you always doing those things that please him? And I want to close by saying, um, recap the three of them follow. If you don't know him, you're definitely not. Forgive. If you have unforgiveness against your brother, you're definitely not. And fellowship. If you're not desiring to spend time alone with him, you're definitely not. Just as I'm sure we didn't always do those things that pleased our earthly fathers when growing up, or even now, we likewise fall short of pleasing our heavenly father on a daily basis. But we can choose to do as Jesus said in John 29, for I do always those things that please him. And I really don't have much else to add to it unless you wanted to come up and say a couple words, brother.